On today's episode of The Pickup, we have a huge NFL show, starting off with recapping some of our favorite games from last week, five key takeaways for me and Drew, along with some overreactions before we then preview week number two, going over and ranking our games for the week that we're most excited for, and we round it off with some betting picks after that, and then we close out the episode diving into some college football, looking forward to week three and some premiere matchups all up next and more right now on episode number 30 of the pickup and now welcome back to the greatest sports podcast in the world the pickup it is Tuesday, September 14th, episode number 30. It is 9.47 East Coast time, and we are recording this episode. As always, your two favorite sports analysts, Stephen Biddix and Drew Hartman, bring you the hardest-breaking sports news. What's going on, Drew? Uh, not much. Uh, kind of a stressful day from bottom to top, you know, a little... Most Spanish tests always wake you up in the morning. <laughs> not something not something you want to be a part of every week, but, you know, when they're there, they're there. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah, also, me, me no habla de espanol, so I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, hey, you know, the subject <laughs> and verb stuff, that's kind of what I got right now. That's about it. There's um, so many little things with Spanish, too, where it's like sometimes it ends in like an A or like an ER. Like I did, I took German in high school, like, you know, but like there's so many like little things like that in Spanish that just yeah. lose me. Well, literally, there's like part of the like words get dropped and replaced with different letters, depending on what the, the verb is in the, the sentence and what that like subject is. It's just... <laughs> It's just too much for me to want to do <laughs> after I already know a language very well. It's like, dang, I got to learn another one now. Extraordinarily well. Yeah. Almost like no, you've been speaking it since birth. Yeah, almost. <laughs> except not quite birth, but like three or four. I was a late bloomer. Um, <laughs> I, I was just super quiet. Maybe more um, ways than one. Okay. So we're going to take it there already. Okay. I get it. Who just turned 21? Not me. Um <laughs> How was that 11.30 showing on Thursday, Steve? Oh, it was great. Um, it was great. It was um, great until about 11.30. Yeah. Um, I do I do want to jump in because I'm excited to say this is my hot tub. So I'm going right. to jump in front of you today. Go for it. Um, the alternate broadcast of yeah. Peyton Manning and Eli Manning definitely jumps in my hot tub today. I freaking loved it. Um, I'm not a huge you know, believer in commentary anyway. I don't think that there's enough people that do a good job. Um, so we need to search for more. Um, I think the people that do the best job are former and people that have been involved in the game since after college. And even sometimes those people aren't very good at it. Um, yeah. But Eli and Peyton, that's the best broadcast I've seen in a very long time. It's just relaxed. It's flow. It's just kind of talk about a play let it go like what are you doing for dinner tomorrow there's just too, so much like fun around the game of football again with that podcast or with that broadcast that it didn't even feel necessarily like I was watching a game yeah but I could focus on what was going on 
Yeah, I'm going to start off with one negative from it. Uh, I learned last night Eli Manning has RBF. For you guys, know what that means out there when he's just sitting there staring at a camera. It was just hilarious. No, you, then, could not have, you could not have pictured two siblings to look worse <laughs> on camera with just their natural face than Eli and Peyton Manning. Because Peyton Manning's hilarious. forehead is a flat screen TV, and Eli Manning's face is always resting. Yeah, Literally, it, was it is so funny. But then the great parts was the guest, dude. Russell Wilson was really good. I saw in the yeah. fourth quarter when he was Travis Kelsey was a good one. Um, yeah. I like the way that Travis Kelsey kind of broke down talking about like post game days um, and then kind of how they prepare. Uh, but he said that they had Mondays off, which I guess if you're that good of a team, you can get Mondays off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but no, it was cool because then he was like, sometimes I watch just you know, as a regular guy, as a fan, and sometimes I got to pay attention to who we play next week and pay attention to that game. And they actually do play the Ravens next week. So it was yeah. cool for him to kind of get to be on the broadcast to talk about how to prepare for the Ravens next week. Yeah, for sure. No, super cool format. And what will be interesting, too, is if that takes off, I wonder how that's going to affect, like, Lewis Riddick and Ryan Grease and um, Steve Levy over there on the main broadcast because – I can't imagine the two Manning brothers are getting paid nearly as much as they are for that, considering they're just sitting at a set compared to the game and everything else. Yeah, but, but I think I think a lot a lot of people like that the Manning brother and that alternate broadcast better. Yeah, you know, there's just not it's it's not so freaking serious, which yeah, is really so really proper. nice. Yeah, it is. So for my hot tub, another guy that transitioned from the NFL to the broadcasting booth was Drew Brees this past weekend. And he did phenomenal on NBC on Sunday Night Football. And I loved it that he could admit to, and he got in there before Mike Tirico said anything. And after they were showing the Saints highlights, and he was like, with Jameis Winston being able to throw the deep ball. And he was like, yeah, I guess that's all they needed was someone that could throw the deep ball. And like, he was able to acknowledge that. And I thought that was absolutely hilarious that he could do that. And I thought he did phenomenal on NBC. Yes, the quick take, yes or no, is Drew Brees better commentator and broadcaster than Tony Romo go? You can't compare him because he's a studio oh. guy. Tony Romo does color commentating. Okay, okay. I and was then, trying to get you tripped up, but you still didn't answer yes or no, but hey, it's fine, whatever. And then my other hot tub's just a nice little, we'll get into this in a little bit, the Steelers beat the Bills, suck it, all of you guys. Steelers were at seven-point underdogs when the books closed, and nobody expected us to win. So that was nice. Then going into the cold tub, Big conversation a couple months ago that me and Drew talked about last podcast. Big old bad Texas and Oklahoma wanted to go to the SEC. And then Texas gets absolutely <laughs> lit up by our Kansas. It was hilarious. And I was like, good. Because, I mean, that's just further proof. Like, I don't know what else you can see. They haven't been good. They play a mediocre. I mean, I guess a little bit above average, maybe to average SEC team. And they just get absolutely lit up, which is what everybody thought would happen. And this shows why. I get it, the branding, the money, but the competition level, Texas does not need to be in the SEC. They're losing to Arkansas by that much. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think the biggest thing, the transition, the only thing that that's really in, in, an admirable part of that is the money. And Texas doesn't need any more of it. Lord knows that he, they don't need <laughs> any more of it. Um, Oklahoma doesn't need to be in there anyway. But uh, – it's exciting to see, you know, because it's taking a new shape and it's less of like being where they want to be and kind of taking down the NCAA. The NCAA is not a greatly run organization anymore, nor has it really ever been. 
but it's really coming to a head now where people are exposing it um, and they're trying to get like, I don't know, they're trying to get their point across that the NCAA just needs to crumble, needs to fall, needs to be taken down. And I think the best way to do that is form super conferences. SEC has always been a super conference in the 10 teams that it has had, but now the expansion and jumping with those two teams who have been and could be again, power teams, I think it's going to be interesting to see how long it takes them to get back and competitive with the SEC. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how college football does evolve, much like college basketball is starting to evolve with all the different leagues and stuff like that they have there too. So now diving into the NFL, our first football season having this podcast, we've got to do NFL talk, which is absolutely awesome. So every week from now on, we're going to start off with individually, we're both going to have five key takeaways from what we saw. So since you had the idea, Jarella, you take the honors and go away with your first key takeaway from this weekend. Okay, so I think I think the biggest takeaway from this weekend that that I had and that jumped off the books to me is a quarterback will use Jameis doesn't need to have 500 yards to throw for five touchdowns. Okay, and that Jameis and I guess I use this kind of to tie into the bigger key point of what I just said is Jameis is a legitimate starter. That's the key takeaway from week one, the first big key takeaway. Jameis is a, is a key part of a team and mm-hmm. a true number one guy at the quarterback position. Um, yeah, for sure. And I, and, I, and I love that. I really do. Because it's funny to see, you know, a guy go from, you know, uh, FSU star to getting in trouble to second chance to the NFL then just not playing well, then to backup spot and then taking over for one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game and showing mm-hmm. out in game one. And I, that's, that's awesome for him, and I'm very glad that he got that chance and that he made the most of that chance. Um, number two key takeaway, Lamar Jackson's legs can kill him just as much as his arm can. And the reason I say that is two fumbles last night in the – Issue is one of those was on a scramble, and it wasn't even really a scramble. It was just he just got flustered and ran out of the pocket. Um, didn't secure the ball, didn't take care of the ball, fumbled it. The second fumble was over time. You need to sit in the pocket. You need to be able to – or you need to get out of the pocket. It's collapsing, take off. And he got scared to run again, and he gets hit and fumbles again. So that's not the greatest thing that – we want to see as fans, and even if you're a Ravens fan, you got to hate the fact of how he played this week. He led your team in rushing and didn't throw the ball well, by all accounts. So uh, that's kind of an interesting And he only thing. ran for 86 yards, too. Yeah, he was the rushing yeah. leader for the whole entire yeah. game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, number three, Debo Samuel is the legitimate number one. It should be in – San Francisco. Bias out of it, just because he went here, I don't have any bias to him. He's been gone for three years. Well, you should have told he, me that beforehand because he was on my fantasy bench. So, Well, he, <laughs> well, he is the guy, I think, and Ayuk left the door wide open when he said it's week one, and Debo can go go off. You know, he's proven it before. That's why he went to that team. That's why they're there. That's why. And he is the legitimate number one on that team. And it is very exciting to watch. Um Number four, the entire Las Vegas Raiders 
receiving core outside of Darren Waller is just extremely undervalued by Derek Carr. Good God. For the first seven passes of the game were attempted to Darren Waller. Three of them were completed. That's that's insane. Yeah. If you catch on to that as a defense, guess what you're going to do? You just just run two on Darren Waller the first half of the game. But Henry Ruggs didn't have a catch until the second half. Uh, Brian Edwards had three all game. Um, Zay Jones had two catches. Uh, Hunter Renfro had five or six catches. If you use those guys and can get Darren Waller eight to nine catches a game, plus use one of those receivers to get eight, nine touches a game, you're going to be so much better off, and you won't be going to overtime with the Ravens. You know, I mean, that's just one of those things I, I believe is one of the – you just have to have it. Uh, and five, Matt Nagy is the worst coach in the NFL. <laughs> that is as straight as I can say it. I don't believe in anything he does. If you're a Bears fan and you believe in him at all, I think that you should rethink your fandom – um, and I would not necessarily tell you to jump to the Chiefs, but you need to jump to somebody that you can get behind their coach. And I think Matt Nagy has six more games in him before I'd fire him. I don't – him and Scott Frost are a very similar coach in the way that they have jobs and no one knows why. I don't understand how either one of them are still coaching football at the college and professional level, when you have a guy who you moved up in the draft to get, and he could have used his legs in certain situations that Andy Dalton got sacked or threw the ball away or couldn't complete a pass. Mm-hmm. He could use his legs and use his arm in a better situation versus one of the better teams in the Rams and didn't. And I think that that is ridiculous. And then you're down by 21 and you don't throw him in the game to get some reps. I don't understand that, but whatever. I also have two honorable mentions. Okay. One, uh, LASIK eye surgery. This is not an ad, but you guys are the greatest thing to happen to football in a long time. And if players catch on, LASIK eye surgery will be one of the biggest sponsors in NFL history. (laughs) Because good Lord, did you save Jameis Winston? Two. Two. Aaron Rodgers. What the absolute hell are you doing? If you want a new contract, the idea is to play good, not play like dog crap. You know, and if you're if this is your way at getting back at the ownership, you could have told me that and every fantasy owner before you started the season. Yeah, because I played him and Devontae Adams in my one league, so that that was tough. He had well, one point three fantasy points. I I <laughs> I have Justin Fields on my bench until he starts. I have Justin Fields on my bench who I could have played and gotten more points than Aaron Rodgers. And Justin Fields played a total of four points or four plays. Well, did you see if he would have spiked the ball into the ground every single pass, he would have had a higher QBR rating than the one that he had from that game. Yeah. And the only thing that I can say to that is if we think back to Nathan Peterman, (laughs) I think last week I would have rather had Nathan Peterman on my fantasy team than Aaron Rodgers, because at least Nathan Peterman threw a, Freaking touchdown that game. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. That's ignorant as it can be. 
Yeah, and so for all you people out there, I'm not crap fantasy, okay? I won in my one league. All right, but my other one, I have Jameis Winston and Aaron Rodgers as my two quarterbacks. And obviously, I played Aaron Rodgers in the league that I lost in instead of Jameis Winston, which would have been huge. But I was also going up against my opponent who had Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. So not much you can do with that. Good God. Yeah, I know. They had 90-something points, maybe 100 between the three of them. They were all in the low to mid-30s. It was ridiculous. Um but yeah, Jameis Winston is big. I'll bring him up in a second here. So starting off with my number one key takeaway, the Los Angeles Rams are everything and more that I expected. Oh Matthew, my St- God. <laughs> Matthew Stafford was absolutely phenomenal. Lights out um, on Sunday night going 20 of 26, 321 yards, three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Just absolutely bowling out i mean kid played an insane game sean mcveigh has got to be in seventh heaven right now um seeing that it's kind of coming to fruition because while the bears aren't a great team they still on paper they should still have a really good like top 10 defense and the way that he just carved them up and he's just able to launch the ball downfield whether it's cooper cup or robert woods with the hands that he had on that end zone and then even though deshaun jackson is old i guarantee you throughout the season at some point he'll have a few of those plays like he used to have on the eagles and jared goff wouldn't have been able to make those plays and i heard something they said on sunday night football i forget if it was michaels or collinsworth but it was really it was just a really good quote that they had sean mcveigh was looking for a partner he wasn't looking for some like a son like to bring up and train like he had to do with jared goff He's looking for somebody that he can work with, not have to like bring up, which I thought that was great. I just want a friend. (laughs) I thought that was great because with the way McVay's offense is, Stafford's going to be perfect. Love it. Love it. Another offense, the Arizona Cardinals this week were unstoppable as well. Kyler Murray, 289 passing yards, four touchdowns. Maybe. Yeah, uh, Hopkins absolutely one off, 83 touchdowns or 83 yards, two Holy touchdowns. Freak. And then if you look at Chase Edmonds and James Conner, they put up over 100 yards combined, which, I mean, that works. 136 total rushing yards. Kyler Murray might have the best feet in the entire NFL, like just what he's able to do and just maneuver and shift around. Like he's about as untouchable as it gets, perhaps the most untouchable player because he's small Kyler too. Murray is better than Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah, for sure. And every facet of the game. Yeah, because he's got the arm, too. And they just – they played phenomenal. And then I'm really high on the Cardinals, which that just boosts what I've been saying, which is what most people have said. So, like a bold take here that the NFC West is just absolutely loaded, especially after going 4-0 in the first week. My third key takeaway – is the Cleveland Browns, it's really just up to Baker Mayfield to not screw it up for them this year. They have the whole entire roster built around them, and it's all on Baker's shoulders. And, yes, Baker did play a good game. I'm not coming out here like, say, my boy Colin Coward did, and he still hated on Baker because I'm not the biggest Baker fan because he's in Cleveland, but he had a really good game up until the end. But mistakes like that is what you cannot have if you're the Cleveland Browns. It's up to Baker Mayfield to not screw the season up for him. I'd like to interject. Okay. And and just put it out there. Um, I put the loss on the punter um, <laughs> for two reasons. Catch the football, and then if you have time to pick it up and punt it, punt it. Three, the pick at the end was not a true pick in my eye. Go back and watch the play. That was an intent to throw the ball out of bounds and a throw away over the head of the receiver I know, on his but way to the ground. Either way, it was 22 to 10 at halftime. It was 22 to 10. You can't blow it. Yeah, but that's not him. That's playing, 
I mean, they scored, the se- they scored Nick seven. Chubb fumbles. They, they scored seven points in two quarters. Seven points. Okay. That's not. I mean, look at his stats during that quarter, or during those quarters. If it wasn't zero for fourteen with three picks, that's not his fault. That's it a fumble good. from Nick Chubb. That's a fumble from the punter. That's play calls. That's defense not being able to stop a a random hail mary pass essentially from Mahomes to Hill. That's not a good pass. If you go back and watch that play, that was a terrible ball. It's Patrick Mahomes. He can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. I get what you're saying, and I understand. But These are my takeaways, okay? Yeah, (laughs) and and I just want to give my opinion because those are crappy takeaways. No. And then, but what really surprised me (laughs) was David Njoku led the team in receiving yards at 76, who I feel like has been requesting a trade out of Cleveland for like three years now. Like, I remember it's been like a few seasons in a row. He wants out because he doesn't get enough targets, wants out, wants out. And then he leads the team, not in receptions or targets, but he leads them in yards. So that was interesting to see. And then number four, you kind of touched on it earlier. Jameis Winston is exactly what the New Orleans Saints were missing. A guy that can be dynamic, throw the deep ball, run a little bit. Hell, even hit a pass more than 25 yards downfield that Drew Brees couldn't do. And even Drew Brees realized it in the NBC broadcast that I brought up earlier. Jameis Winston is going to be phenomenal and awesome this year for the New Orleans Saints. Really excited to see what they can do. And my last take, similar to Drew as well, it's a little bit different. Baltimore Ravens are 100% dependent on Lamar Jackson this year. That's it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's Lamar Jackson or bust for the Ravens. He went 19 to 30 for 235 yards. He rushed for 86 yards. You cannot win a game when your quarterback's the lead rusher and passer and probably receiving as well if he was able to do all three. Because <laughs> it was a tip ball that he caught. Yeah, because their next rusher was 65 yards and Tyrell Williams, who actually had that really good run to start off the game, but fresh off the practice squad from last year, and 35 of 65 of those yards came from that one place. So theoretically, after the first quarter, he only had 35 yards. And then Sammy Watkins, I mean, he did surprise me. He almost put up 100 yards, um, which I wasn't expecting. And then Marquise Brown, too, Hollywood Brown, actually, even though he only received for 69 games, he was a very valuable asset to that game and played well. But at the end of the day, I don't want to put my – season on a quarterback that runs that much because this is what I thought you were going to say but you went a little bit different with it Lamar's legs can hurt him as much as it can help him I mean I mean we've seen quarterbacks time after time after time get injured from trying to run and do too much and yes he's electric but we've talked about it before your legs like that can only last you for so long and so now those are the five key takeaways we've kind of talked about it a little bit but we're going to go more into a deeper dive of this Kansas City Chiefs and Cleveland Browns game. And I feel like I might have rattled the bear over there a little bit. So I'll hand it off to Drew here to give his thoughts. I know. I mean, I don't know. I just, I think Baker Mayfield, as I've said before, is a very good and, and top caliber quarterback. And he played that way this week. I don't put this game on him at all. Yeah, I mean, Sure, you could have taken the sack, then the clock runs, then you just don't get the situation, then you're in a deeper hole. He made the right decision to try and throw the ball away. That's his offensive line's got to hold up for half a second longer, and that ball's in the, the stands or on the sideline, no big deal, and they're handing it back off to Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb had the first fumble I've seen him have in a very long time. Kareem Hunt played fine. But it's just one of those things where – he's going to catch all the crap because he's the quarterback. 
It's not going to be Stefanski's play call. It's not going to be that fumble that we look at. It's not going to be the muffed snap by the punter. It's going to be that play because it was the last offensive play that they had. And to me, that's not the right way to look at it because he set them up to win the game. He did by having what 321 321 yards, yards, 21 for 20, 21 and 28, one interception. No touchdowns, though. Yeah, but he set them up for Jarvis Landry to rush a touchdown, for Kareem Hunt to rush a touchdown, and Nick Chubb to rush a touchdown. Not a rusher over 100 yards. So let let me let that sink in for the first time in like a year and a half, two years, that they haven't had a rusher over 100 yards because they went to Baker Mayfield's arm to put them in situations to run the ball in the end zone. If you're first and five on the five, first and goal on the five, and you have those two running backs in your backfield at your disposal, do not throw the football. You should never throw the football in the, in the goal <laughs> because you don't need to. You work yourself in the situations that we saw in the Monday night game where there's a pick at the goal line off of defender's helmet and gets picked. That's, you don't set yourself up to come up short. At least take three, feed the beast that is Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and let them go to work. Let the offensive line grind for five yards, but he put them in situations for going 21 of 28 and 321 yards, and that is the difference. Because if you look at the other side of the ball, there was no rushing touchdown, or there was one rushing touchdown, and it was Mahomes. He accounted for all four touchdowns. That, but that's their offense. Their offense can't run without him or Hill or Kelsey. If you take one of those pieces away, one of those pieces away, they lose that game. The Chiefs lose that game. To that's counter that, though, that's why they're truth. so good is because they have Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback in the NFL, and Dude, they have Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes would not be that good if he didn't have those two. He made those two. No, he did not. He did. No Tyreek Hill would be dude. nothing. He's a gadgety no type player. He'd be like no Tyler shot. Lockett maybe somewhere else where he would be no. decent, but he wouldn't be what he is now because he doesn't have a quarterback no that has nope. the arm talent and arm ability that Patrick Mahone nope. has. I don't see Tyreek Hill putting up 197 yards and 11 receptions nope. on any other team. And I, I don't guarantee see you Travis he could Kelsey. go do that in, in, in Cincinnati and Cleveland and Chicago and no. Pittsburgh. Because nobody York. can ex- – Nobody can extend plays like Patrick Mahomes Russell Wilson can. can extend the play. Lamar Jackson can run out of the pocket. Like Baker Mayfield can extend a play. Dak Wilson can now extend plays. Trevor Lawrence can now extend plays. Joe Burrow can now extend plays. That's the truth. Freaking ben, Big Ben can extend a play for pushing somebody down. That I mean, he could do that anywhere. Now that we have seen him do that, and he's been given the chance to do it, Tyreek Hill can do that anywhere. Patrick Mahomes did not make those three. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey made Patrick Mahomes. If he had entered an organization in a situation that did not have two of the best players at their position, he would not have a Super Bowl ring yet. That's a true statement, not even an arguable statement. Are you really saying Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey made Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely, absolutely. If you threw Patrick Mahomes in a situation in Chicago three years ago, he does not have a ring yet. That's a true statement. You throw him in Cincinnati three years ago, doesn't have a ring yet. You throw him in New Orleans three years ago, doesn't have a ring yet. You throw him in New England three years ago, he doesn't have a ring yet. If you throw him in the Chiefs organization three years ago, that's the only reason he has a ring. The only reason. 
Well, if you look at their old stats, Travis Kelsey never broke a thousand yards receiving wise until Patrick Mahomes became their starting quarterback and never had more than five touchdowns until Patrick Mahomes became a starting quarterback. And Tyreek Hill, before Patrick Mahomes was his quarterback, had 593 receiving yards. And that is all. And he has absolutely okay. surpassed that with double digit touchdowns in his last okay. few years as well. Don't, Let me ask you this. Who can were I the, talk about this coaches, game at some point? Who were the coaches on that on that organization when those were the players? Andy Reid was there with Alex Smith. Okay, how many years? What do you mean how many years? How they many were years together, were together for like, I think, I'm two curious. or three years. Okay, so you have Alex Smith declining right before his injury, and then you have to throw in Mahomes to a situation that's already set up very well for a young guy after he could sit a year to learn a lot. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you can't – Patrick Mahomes did not make those two. Those two helped him become who he is. That's an absolutely true statement. No, but besides the point, something that surprised <laughs> right. me too about this game was the Kansas City offensive line, that new reworked offensive line that they had, actually looked pretty decent. Uh, Jadavion Clowney really didn't do much at all. Uh, only four tackles, not a single sack, not even that close to getting a sack. And Miles Garrett did have one sack, but he only had four tackles as well with not an insane – amount of pressures either so that reworked offensive line definitely helped for uh kansas city and then looking back on the cleveland side a little bit with uh, jarvis landry five receptions 71 yards because they were still missing obj also which we still don't really know if that's going to help or hurt them because we saw last year baker seemed to take a step up when he didn't have to worry about trying to force feed the ball to Odell because you know what type of wide receiver he is. So we're still yet to see that after Baker kind of took that step up in the second half of last year. So I'm interested to see how that plays out next week also. And then last thing touching on Kansas City is I'm still kind of disappointed in Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's not really lived up to the hype at all that he was supposed to be when he was drafted in the what last pick of the first round last year out of LSU. So we'll have to see how that continues to progress. So that game was almost an upset, but going to a game that was thorough, thorough upset, unless you are a Steeler fan, is the Pittsburgh Steelers beating the Buffalo Bills, which, I mean, I, Josh Allen, is my preseason MVP. Um, I really liked the Bills a lot. thought they were going to end up with the Chiefs back in the AFC Championship again this year. And the Steelers came out and just won an ugly team football game, which is fine by me. Uh, I was a little bit worried in the first half. They only put up 56 yards total. But in the second half, they put up around 200 yards, which is fine because that plus the first half equal 400 and something yards. And you can get away with that. But the thing that does still worry me about the Steeler team is the offensive line because Najee Harris had 16 carries and only 45 yards. And one of those came from an 18-yard run. And um, Ben was pressured 11 times and he was sacked twice, which we can't be having Ben get sacked uh, at this point in his career. But Ben was what Ben did, um, 18 of 32, 188 yards at this point. And if you drafted a Steelers wide receiver, I'm kind of sorry because I was staying away from all of them because, as we saw, it got spread out extremely evenly between the big three with Smith, Schuster, Claypool, Johnson, 52 yards, 45 yards, 36 yards, five receptions, three receptions, four receptions. So extremely even there, which I knew is how that was going to work out because – that's just how this team works, and that's how it's going to be this year. And then looking at the defense, that defense picked up right where it left off, being top three in the league with the Rams and the Buccaneers as the other two, in my opinion. 
and Minka Fitzpatrick leading the way with 10 tackles. And then you had TJ Watt with a huge strip sack of Josh Allen, along with another sack in the game as well, looking every single bit of that contract. And Melvin Ingram came out looking really good too in his uh, Pittsburgh Steeler debut. So great team win, as Tomlin said. And then going to the Buffalo aspect, it was the offensive line. He had 16 pressures and got sacked three times, Josh Allen, with a 40.7 QBR. They had him throw the ball 51 times. Those were Steeler numbers last year for having somebody throw the ball that often, 51 times for 270 yards. And that's all the game really was. I mean, the Buffalo's offensive and defensive lines are probably their two weak points, and the offensive line just got absolutely exposed. They didn't have time to get it down to his deep route runner, Stephon Diggs. They couldn't hold up the front four to get Devin Singletary any really great rushing yards. Uh, Matt Breida is obviously not going to do a lot, but we know Buffalo's main goal is not going to be running the ball. But the offensive line has got to hold up on Buffalo. That's definitely a bigger concern than I thought it would be preseason. Yeah, I mean, honestly, all I have to say about this game is neither team played well, but just one played less bad. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly, that's it. That's the only way to describe this game is if you're a fan of football, don't pay attention to that game ever again, because it wasn't it wasn't a good game by any means. Um, it was just one of those where it was like, oh my god, please don't suck more than the other one. What was our defense and special teams? Just totally outdid Buffalo. Buffalo just, and it was in Buffalo. They got all their mafia back, and they just they couldn't handle the defense. Which, as much as a Steeler fan as I am, and really wanted them to win, I picked Buffalo to win this game. Like I did not think. The Steelers had it in them, but as you said, a game you don't want to watch. If you were a, a Green Bay Packers fan on Sunday, you probably have some thoughts in your head you never thought you'd have before because that was absolutely brutal. 15 of 28, 133 yards, two interceptions, 13.4 QBR by Aaron Rodgers with Aaron Jones getting nine rushing yards, A.J. Dillon, 19 rushing yards, Adams, 56 receiving yards, just absolutely nothing. And then even when they threw the white flag and put Jordan Love in at the end of the game, then he even had a fumble that he lost to. Just an absolute disaster for Green Bay. Yeah, no, I mean, it's whatever, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is because those two teams are teams that one had high hopes of competing again this year and one was, you know, under the mindset that they were rebuilding. And then Jameis Winston said, hold on, let me, let me show you something real quick. And he only threw for 148 yards, but he, I don't even think they had a long field, but like twice. And it was the kickoff. I was just and, about to say that. If you look I mean, at their stats too, you can tell it was just quick turnovers by Green Bay over and over and over because Jameis threw for 148 yards. Kamara only rushed for 83 yards. And their top wide receivers only received for 72 yards. And after that, it was 21, 18, 14. So they only had around two, 260 or so. Something like that, maybe right around 300 total yards, which is not a yeah. lot, especially to beat a Green Bay Packers team with Aaron Rodgers. No, I uh, a, a takeaway from this game that I didn't expect was uh, Juwan Johnson, uh, the tight end for uh, the Saints, yeah. who didn't didn't necessarily enter the season as like a flashy, you know, true number one tight end, but showed that you know he's got the ability to be that guy. Uh, yeah. Only three catches. But he looks like Lamar Jack or um, Jameis Winston's uh, red zone guy. You know, he looks like if I'm in that red zone, Jameis Winston 
looks to him every time. And that's something that, I mean, that's kind of something to be said about that. You know, I mean, both kind of new to the organization from the standpoint of they're both now just starting for this organization. They're both now starting to get that real time playing time in the Saints, and they're both earning it. I mean, they both have the ability to play that game. And you get them in the red zone, I'd start looking at Jawan Johnson a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I just think that that's where he's going to go. Big body, um, athletic tight end on the outside that can play, you know, the outside and the inside position, you know, as well as put his hand in the dirt in the red zone, I think is a good, good, good ad for Jameis Winston. That's kind of something he needed. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see how their relationship more than any other grows because we know how well Jameis Winston does with his tight ends. So. Yeah, and the only thing that really disappointed me about that game was, I know it's only one game, but my fantasy flyer pick of Marquez Callaway only had one reception for 14 yards on my bench, and I'm really hoping uh, he has bigger things than that. But that now leads us into week one overreactions, and that was a perfect segue because Jameis Winston is my number one overreaction. Jameis Winston will sign a deal equal to Josh Allen, if not more than the six-year, $258 million extension before the season is over. Thoughts? I, remember, do I have? Remember, it's overreaction. It's overreactions, okay? Do I, do I have to say anything? You're going to agree. I don't – I don't – holy crap. <laughs> I think he's going to sign for more, if not the same, as Patrick Mahomes. What do you think? I mean, I don't, I don't I was going big with the overreactions here. No, I – it's, it's quite mind-boggling that you, you know, I know it's no reaction, it's just, but it's just it's hard to process. Like, I'm trying to find a way <laughs> to process what you just said. So is that uh, one harder to process than the Houston Texans are going to win the AFC South? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, 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 it's not. No, it's not. Because that's, that's definitely not going to happen. Um, yeah, so, right. Jameis, Josh Allen, money. Houston, only one and no team in the AFC South because the Jags aren't an issue. Um, you know what? Colts didn't look good. I'm not a big fan of the Titans this year either. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my two big overreactions at you before I can process the other two. Um, one, the last team to lose to the Saints 38-3 to was the reigning Super Bowl champion yep. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Two, so Tyrod Taylor – Every team that he has started for at least three games the next season has found their franchise quarterback that <laughs> next year. Think about it. Last three teams we'll use. Starts with the Browns. Baker Mayfield's up. Next. Boom. Franchise quarterback in Baker Mayfield. Two. Buffalo Bills. Boom. Josh Allen finds his way in. Franchise quarterback. Three. The Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Boom. Justin that, was Herbert, sab- that was sabotage right there for that. Yeah, I know. That was, that was Justin <laughs> Herbert floating some, chip, some tip money to the trainer. He was like, right here is where you need to put it. But, you know, who knows? Maybe that means the Texans are up next for a franchise quarterback. Yeah, who's the guy they drafted out of Stanford, right? Uh, the dude they drafted? Uh, David Mills? It? Davis Mills? Yeah, David Mills. It's not, I'm going to be honest, it's not him. <laughs> I don't think it's him. Um, but I can get on board with them drafting one this year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's just going to be interesting to see. And that's kind of my overreaction this week is Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> he has been a starter before. He has definitely shown that he can be a starter, 
but we've never seen him be a starter, a good starter on the team this bad. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how that goes. You know, I'm, I'm interested. I'm also excited to see if the Packers can can rally from this 38 to three deficit loss and go win a Super Bowl. Who knows? Yeah. And then my last overreaction, which you'll like this one because this helps out your team. The Baltimore Ravens will finish last in the AFC North this year. That's what I said that, and I absolutely agree with that. I think that that's not an overreaction. But truly, to be honest with you, I don't think we're going to win the division by any means, but I think the Ravens are not good enough as an entire team from top to bottom to win or come in anything other than last in that division anymore. I don't think it's, I don't think it's there. Yeah, and these overreactions are a lot of fun to come up with, and they're going to be just as crazy every single week, and they may not follow suit as the season goes, but, hey, it doesn't matter. It's overreactions, okay? Maybe in another six weeks from now, I'm saying Taysom Hill is going to be the starting quarterback for the Saints because <laughs> of something. Like, they don't have to line up. That's why they're overreactions. So that is going to be the end. Or actually, I'll let you do this real quick because I know you would want to do this. Joe Mixon got me 26 fantasy points, played really Heck good. yeah, baby. Took Minnesota to overtime. Go on a couple-minute spiel here about your uh, Cincinnati Bengals going 1-0. Okay, so I want to say something real quick to everybody that has hated on Jamar Chase in the offseason. And I, and, I, and, I, and I want this to be clear to everybody because Jamar Chase has dropped balls in the preseason. <laughs> but I believe two weeks ago I sat on this podcast with this microphone and said, hey, he's fine. He's just – just give him time to work with Joe Burrow, let them get into a rhythm, and they'll be fine. And what did they do? They connected for a total of 80 yards and a touchdown. So go freaking suck it. Um, <laughs> two, uh, the defense played outstanding. Yes, there were plays where a cornerback fell behind or a quarterback needed to fix a route or catch up. But the defense as a whole played outstanding. Um held Dalvin Cook, if I'm not wrong, to under 100 yards. He only had 61 yards. Uh, he did get a touchdown, so that's good for him, whatever. But Kirk Cousins, I think if you're a Vikings fan, this isn't even me saying it, good job going for that many yards. But they're just – they're wasteful yards. Like, they don't do anything. Convert in the end zone, big dog. He can't he's, – he's, he's not very good. Kirk Cousins is not very good. Joe Mixon is back. Uh, he's a freaking beast. Jamar Chase had five catches, 101 yards. T. Higgins is, as I said again, the number one. Uh, T. Um, Joe loves to go to him, loves to find him. C.J. Uzama. Um, and the other thing that I want to say, because I think this goes, you know, way too over – and this is an overreaction after week one, too. I'll say Jesse Bates is the best safety in the league. Um, six <laughs> tackles, three assists. And the tackles that he oh, makes – Oh, that's cute re- compared to Mika's ten tackles he had. Okay. <laughs> um, the tackles that he has are big time tackles and they're, they're stuff that they save touchdowns or they save the game or they make a big difference and just kind of how the, the game changes. It's a big time kind of, you know, flip the game for us. Um, Evan McPherson, the kicker out of Florida. Good job, Bengals. You've drafted one, one pick that has solidified itself yet already. And it was the kicker. You guys are doing great. Keep it up, Cincinnati. No, but, I mean, jokes aside, the last thing I'll say about the game is Joe Burrow's nuts have dragged behind him for the last 48 hours <laughs> after he audibled to a pass on fourth and one in the uh, <clears throat> overtime to hopefully get a first down. 
but he checks out of a run to a pass. Big, big ball moment. Steps back, throws it over top. CJ Uzama puts you in field goal range, and you end up winning the game. That's outstanding. But <laughs> that's what you look for in a young quarterback that wants to be a leader, a captain, somebody that can make this team better. Uh, and the best part about it is he's showing it after a big injury. Um, yeah. The only thing I will say negative about this game is the offense um, play calls. After a while, it just felt like we got soft, kind of tried to be dainty, if you will, with a lot of the offensive plays. There were click throws and, and little four-yard, two-yard runs. You just let need to let Joe Burrow get control, have control, and run the offense. Mm-hmm. The, the team will – they'll find a way to take care of him. They'll find a way to get Joe Mixon over 100 yards. He's going to rush for a touchdown, and he's going to be – everybody will be happy if you let that offense run the way it's built to be run. And I think this last week they got away from it for about – 10 to 15 minutes, probably a quarter or so they got away from letting Joe Burrow run the, run the rock the way he needs to let it be, just kind of take over and have him be the one to lead the team for a little while. Yeah, I saw one thing which I thought was pretty funny, talking about Zach Taylor is like not a Bengals fan. It was like Zach Taylor's just a slightly different looking white guy every time you see him on the sideline. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> Honestly, it looks like during the game, he's like at one point got a hat on. And it's like, okay, the hat's gone. Now he kind of looks like Eminem. Oh, no, wait, that's, that's okay, that's, <laughs> that looks like Adam Levine over there. No, wait, no, that looks like Will Ferrell. And then it's just so many people that this dude does not look like Zach Taylor until he sits at a podium and talks, <laughs> and then it looks like Zach Taylor again. But it's funny. I mean, you're absolutely right, and I have absolutely kind of been keen to start looking for that because he doesn't look like the same – and he doesn't look like the same white dude every time. That's a true statement. He looks completely different from every <laughs> angle that you see him in. I think it's funny as hell. He does. All right. So now we are going into a new segment called the roster. So we are looking at the games for next week, and they will be ranked in first string, second string, third string, and the practice squad. So as you can tell, best games, in our opinions, to the bottom. So starting off, I'm going to give my first string games. And this is like bias out, no like fans involved. Like just sitting down, watching TV, which games am I going to want to watch the most? So the first guys that made the first string team, the starters, obviously Kansas City versus Baltimore on Monday Night Football has got to be one. Second, Buffalo playing Miami. Can Buffalo bounce back? Can Miami beat two division rivals back-to-back weeks? Big game there. Three, the Chargers versus the Cowboys. Two big offenses, two young quarterbacks, two just really explosive could be teams to just see what the Cowboys can do playing against not the Super Bowl champions to see if maybe they can show they're somewhat legit this year against this young Chargers team that I like a lot. And then my last uh, game making the starting lineup is the Seahawks playing the Titans because the Titans need need a big bounce back game and Seattle just absolutely blew out their AFC South opponent and in, uh, the Indianapolis Colts last week and so that's another game I really want to watch too so that's my first string Drew what do you think all right um I, I mean I don't see any problems with it um I actually kind of like those games um I don't know I just think there's different games and, and I mean like there's nothing wrong. Like I said, I just kind of have like a, a different vibe, like about certain games that are going to be, I don't know, maybe more 
exciting for me personally to watch. So I guess you went with what, four games there? Yeah, Casey, Baltimore, Buffalo, Miami, Chargers, Cowboys, Seattle, Tennessee. Okay, so my starting for the first train one, I'm going to put Patriots-Jets for that rookie quarterback matchup. I think it's going to be uh, really, really cool to see how Mac Jones, you know, bounces back from his first loss and Zach Wilson takes a loss. Uh, two 0-1 teams, but both rookie quarterbacks, both looking off uh, to bounce off a loss coming for their first win. Uh, it's going to be an exciting game to me. I think it's going to be one of those where you have to look at it, and that's one of those where if you're not necessarily having a team that plays at that time or interested in any other game, that's where you're going to turn to is the Patriots-Jets because it's an exciting, interesting kind of matchup. Uh, two, I'm going to go with the Rams and Colts. Carson Wentz bounce back week. Got to have some more on the ground. Got to have a little bit better passing. Got to let Michael Pittman Jr. step up. Zach Pascal's good, but you got to find a way to get Michael Pittman the ball. Um, yeah, his, uh, his four points in fantasy were not good last week. Even though <laughs> um, I won with that team, not good. <laughs> you got to find a way to get uh, – him involved, and then on the Rams side of the ball, uh, got to see if Matthew Stafford can keep it going with a really, really good defense. See if he can keep that play style going with the defense. Um, three, I'm going to go Saints-Panthers, division rival. It's going to be an interesting game because it's not necessarily a better defense, but it's a more intensified game for Jameis Winston. Um, I also want to see how Sam Darnold plays in two straight weeks now. And against the NFL team? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, we've seen him play well before against half-decent teams, but I want to see how he's going to play against a team that has had a win and does play well. Uh, and then four, I'm going to put in my, my last starting role, and I know this is going to be a little interesting and it doesn't sound as good as it may be, but the Giants and uh, Washington, I'm actually really excited for that game because I want to see Taylor Heineke get a start. I want to see him play from minute one to minute 60 and just take over a game, see how he plays against the Giants, to see if he has the ability to play against the Giants. So maybe you could time out again in week three. I'm also wanting to see if Danny Dimes can continue to turn the ball over. Because that's the best part about watching the Giants play is the other team's defense plays so well when they shouldn't that it's and and it puts a smile on your face because it makes you feel better about yourself. Yeah, if the football team's defense is unrostered in your fantasy league, definitely pick them up this week if you don't have a defense to play. Oh my gosh, if they're if Daniel Jones is unrostered, put him in your defensive spot. Um, (laughs) but. I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting because Saquon didn't have a great week. Um, They're going up a very good defense, uh, but Saquon's looking for a bounce back week and the football team is looking for a bounce back weekend, a bounce back defensive week also because they didn't play well defensively. So I'm, I'm really excited to see those teams kind of go at each other on bounce back week. You know, and those teams, those games aren't necessarily the most jump off the paper exciting, but I believe the Patriots, Jets, Rams, Colts, um, Saints, Panthers, and Giants, and uh, football team are going to be a great, great starting four for for me at least. You know that's what yeah. I'm going to turn to the most outside of Cincinnati. So yeah, and then going to my second string, I'm going to start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers playing the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, two one and zero teams. 
Uh, the Steelers, once again, still very interested to see what this offense can be this year. And the Raiders as well. We just saw them upset the Ravens. Can they pull it off again in Pittsburgh? Just that'll be an entertaining game to see. Um, number two, uh, the Indianapolis Colts and the Los Angeles Rams, for the reasons you mentioned. I'm really excited to see what Matthew Stafford can do in this explosive uh, Rams defense. And then also if Carson Wentz can come back and figure something out here, even though he is missing T.Y. Hilton, see if Indy can bounce back. The only reason that really made tier number two is because I can see this game getting out of hand extremely fast, which is really the only reason it was there. And then number three, I'm going with the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Jameis almost pushed that one also up into the starters, but just couldn't quite get there. And so I've got the Saints and the Panthers, like you said, see what Sam Donald can do. Christian McCaffrey's second game. See if they can get Robbie Anderson more than one catch, even though it was a touchdown catch this last weekend, and see what they can do. And then my last game is in the second string is the Arizona Cardinals against the Minnesota Vikings, strictly just because watching this Arizona offense is going to be so fun to watch this year with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. And the Vikings shouldn't be terrible this year. Like, they're not going to be good, but what, with the new record, they should be like 7-10 and 10 or something like that. So they shouldn't be absolutely awful. You can't forget their record was insane after they started 1-6 and six last year to finish off the season. Like, they finished off really well but it's really just that Cardinals defense boosted them up there. Like what Jameis kind of almost did pushing that game into the front tier. It kind of got the cards from the third tier to the second tier. I agree. Yeah, no, I like uh, all those games. I like all those teams. Again, mine just kind of looks a little different for the first one. And that um, I'm going to go to Cowboys chargers again, for the, for the reasons you mentioned two big time offenses. I'm really excited to, throw Justin Herbert in my starting lineup and let him just lose. Um, Dak Prescott threw forever 400 yards last week. So I'm interested to see if he can do it again. Get me some more points with Amari Cooper. Two, I'm going to put in the Titans and Seahawks uh, revenge game for Derrick Henry uh, and the Seahawks looking to continue to play well. Uh, I mean, not much else to say. Russell Wilson is going to be a very good quarterback until what week eight? I would say then, for the first half of the season, he'll be the MVP yeah. favorite. And then it'll and then it'll drop back to the mediocre. Um, but you know who knows? Maybe he'll surprise us and be a good seventeen week quarterback this year. Um, my number three uh, is Bengals Bears. The only reason that that is uh, number or second string is because there's potential for Andy to get pulled in a game against the Bengals in Cincinnati. And to me, that would be, if you're just a fan of football or you know anything about that situation, that's what makes that game exciting. It's not even that it's my team, but it's that's what makes that game exciting. It's because that could be the week where you could see Justin Fields take over in the second half and light it up. Now, I hope he doesn't play at all because I want my team to win. And Andy Dalton, bad Andy is just terrible. But that's what makes that game appealing to me is the fact that that's the week that could change Justin Fields' career start you know if mm-hmm. Andy Dalton goes in and doesn't play well uh and it's interesting because these two teams as in Andy Dalton versus the Bengals they know each other so well and they've been together for so long that this is the first time they've played each other after the departure so it'll be interesting to see how that goes I'm excited to see that um and then number four is the 49ers and Eagles I'm actually really excited to see this Justin Herbert or Justin Hurts uh after last week, is just one of those guys where it has to have a ton of excitement around him right now. 
Uh, and the 49ers defense is again healthy, and Jimmy Garoppolo played well. So I'm excited to see if Hurts can play that well against an actual good defense mm-hmm. or if it was just the Falcons. You know, was it just, you know, Falcons or was it Justin Hurts or Jalen Hurts? God, they'll get. Um, so I'm excited to see how he plays versus a good, actual, formed, functioning defense. Um, and I'm excited to see how the 49ers play against Justin uh, Jalen Hurts. God bless. So it'll be interesting to see those that kind of matchup. So I like the quarterback defense matchups in my, my number two. Yeah, so going to third string, um, I got five teams. And this one starting off with the Giants against the football team because this game could have been in the practice squad, but this game also could be great. I have them on third string because it could be exciting to watch because it could just be an absolute shit show. You have no idea what could happen here with Taylor Heineke coming in against a pretty decent Giants defense as well, like not a terribly shabby defense. And that game could just become extremely entertaining. And then after that, I have the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans just because I think the Browns are going to win by 15, 20 points. I don't think it's going to be that entertaining of a game, and I'm not going to be like, oh, I need to put on the Browns and Texans game. No, not not that. (laughs) And then after that, I have the Patriots and the Jets uh, just because I forget what it is, but Bill Belichick has an absolutely insane record against rookie quarterbacks. 22 and one against rookie quarterbacks in Foxborough. Yeah, so I think this game's going to be over quite fast, and the Jets don't have a defense either. And so I think that game will just be over quick. And then I have Philly San Francisco because I think that game will be over quick too. San Fran has a top five no joke defense that's going to be able to keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket uh, with Nick Bosa coming out on the edges. You got Fred Warner, who's an absolute stud in the linebacking core as well. So for this, the strict fact of the San Francisco defense and the Jimmy G led offense there. I like San Fran. And then I've got Detroit and Green Bay sneaking into the last spot. They were almost practice squad, but it should be a blowout, but it also should have been a blowout last week. So that's just kind of keeping me entertained right there. That keeps them in the third string instead of the practice squad. Yeah, no, I mean, I get those. I like those. I I have an interesting kind of take. I think I got four, three or four more teams here. And then I got two in the final, final, uh, last one um the first one i'll go with is raiders Steelers in the third string for the only reason that i i don't see this as an evenly matched game personally i think if the steelers can get Najee harris going and throw the ball uh instead of spread out maybe hit two consistent receivers the whole game and use a third and the defense plays well then the Raiders aren't going to be able to win that game based off of last week. Um, But if the Raiders can find a way to spread the ball out and hit other players other than Darren Waller in the first half, maybe they can score some more points. Maybe they can put a little pressure on the Steelers. I don't know. I don't see that happening because I don't see them switching up an offensive plan that revolves around a tight end so heavily in a week. I just don't see it changing. Um, Number two I have the Broncos and Jaguars. Um, the only reason I'm excited for that is because it's the first loss in the regular season since high school. For, you didn't even lose in high school, I don't think. Yeah, so, so I mean, it's, it's interesting to see how he's going to respond. And it kind of puts, you know, if you go 0-2, and, and I'm not saying they're going to find but it puts him in a, in a bad situation. It puts Trevor Meyer in a bad situation. It puts him in kind of a hot seat. 
kind of one of those where you got to look back at him and go, oh, whoa, whoa, did we make the decision correctly? And right now it looks like no. It looks like you got a busted quarterback and a crappy head coach. I'm not saying either of those are true, but kind of a reaction would be funny there to say bust. We don't know that. But all potential leading, all by all accounts, Trevor Lawrence may not win this game. So that's what draws me to that at my third string is seeing how he plays. Another week, can he stay away from interceptions? Is he going to throw a Jameis Winston 40 touchdown, 40 pick year? Um, I don't suspect a lot going well for them. They also didn't use Jamie Robinson the way I thought they were going to use and such a huge, it's kind of left him in the background. The Broncos, you know, it's the Broncos. Done. Period. Put a period on it. Move on. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's not much to say about them. Uh, three, the Bills, Dolphins, for the reasons that you said. Josh Allen is always an appealing game to me. I like watching him play. Uh, they got to find a way to run the ball more consistently. Other than him, the line's got to block, and they got to be able to throw the ball to Stephon Diggs effectively. Uh, Tua, never been real confident in Tua, but I'm confident in Jalen Waddle in every aspect of the game where I think that he can catch the ball. I think he can throw the ball and run the ball if you ask him to because he's very, very good at football. So I might take a look at moving Jalen Waddle to quarterback if this whole Tua thing doesn't work out in the next six games. Uh, um, but my fourth game in this third string is going to be the Vikings-Cardinals. Kyler Murray, football baby, has some of the best scrambling to throw, always looking downfield, always exciting to watch. He's a better quarterback than people give him credit for in every true aspect of this game. Um, better legs than Lamar Jackson, better throwing ability than Lamar Jackson. I think he's head and shoulders above Lamar Jackson. Um, I think he right now fits into a top six quarterback for me mm-hmm. based off of week one. Yeah. So then going to my practice squad, got three games here uh, starting off. I have Tampa and Atlanta just because that should be an absolute blowout. Not really too worried about that game there. Um, I've got the Bears and Bengals just because neither of those two teams, I just have an appeal of really watching. Uh, The Bears games are just like, unless you said, unless Justin Fields gets put into the game, that's not going to be a very entertaining game to watch unless you are a Bengals or Bears fan. And then I have the Denver Broncos and Jaguars rounding it out just because Teddy Bridgewater, once again, is not a fun quarterback to watch. And Denver actually has a pretty good defense. So I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be doing much either again this coming Sunday because when DJ Chark Jr. is your pretty much best weapon and you're throwing a 40 year old Marvin Jones Jr. also, and James Robinson only ran for what 27 yards for his old number before he changed it um, right before last week. I mean, those three games to me just aren't the most enticing. And speaking real quick before you do yours with number changes, did you see, I forget, it was Shaq Thompson and somebody else on the Panthers, like within an hour before game time, both changed their numbers. Do you think they were trying to screw with Zach Wilson or? or, I think it's uh, it's just the rules freaking dumb. They changed it within an hour. Yeah, but – why would you try? I, no, I don't. No, I don't think there's any intent to mess with the rookie quarterback who's overhyped. <laughs> I don't think there's any need to mess with him. Now, if it was Tom Brady, or Drew Brees, or Peyton Manning, or uh, even Jameis Winston this week, yeah, I probably would have tried to mess with him a little bit. But no, there's there's no need to mess with Zach Wilson an hour before the game. No, I don't think so. Um, my three that get the crown of practice squad 
number one, Falcons, Buccaneers. For the reason that you said, very unexciting game. Buccaneers should drop 50, take yeah. the over, because the Falcons have zero defense. I need Mike Davis to get going. I need Matt Ryan to find a way to throw the ball. I want to see Matt Ryan succeed this year just because it's exciting to watch Matt Ryan with a smile on his face. When he's not playing well, it's just it, – it doesn't feel – good when he's not smiling so i want him to be happy i want him to be able to play well i don't care if they win or lose truthfully but i like when matt ryan plays well i don't know why just always kind of liked matt ryan um two uh i'm gonna throw lions packers in there crap versus crap after week one i mean jared goff led the lions to a legitimate attempt at a game you yeah know? they had a comeback strong yeah. comeback you know, I mean, it was interesting. I, we haven't seen that out of a lion, out of the lions in a while. To put it where you may, I don't know. I just think they were, they got so mad, they started biting the kneecaps off of the, the 49ers and just started going. But that's the funniest thing is uh, when he said that in that preseason that they were going to get knocked down and still bite the kneecaps off of people. That, like, well, there it was. If you want to come back, I'd go to the lions because they're never going to be ahead. Three, Ravens versus Chiefs. Ravens are going to be 0-2 to start the season. The Chiefs are really good. Are you Chiefs not have... excited to watch that game at all? No, not at all. I oh have zero, zero excitement for that game because let's be realistic. This is what's going to happen. Storyline comes at you a, a five days, six days ahead of the game. It's going to be Ravens jump to early lead. Patrick, tra- Patrick Mahomes leads comeback. It's the story of every game, essentially, that they play on a prime time. The team goes out and builds the lead by 14 to 21 points, and then, boom, all of a sudden, the three-headed monster figures out a way to mysteriously win the game. It's just, it's woohoo, exciting, fun, yeah. I don't, I don't get excited to watch those games anymore because I know the outcome. I know what's coming. I know what's going to happen. It's going to be a comeback win for the Chiefs. That's, I mean, and at some point, it's just got to be somebody's got to find a way to figure it the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> so that is going to end our roster for this week. And we're now going to head on down to Steven and Drew's gambling corner over here. Hey! We're both going to be given our top three picks, which I'll be keeping track of throughout the year on my fancy Excel spreadsheet. To, oh, um, oh so, you, so, you, so you smart, smart, know how to yeah, use that Excel. Excel, yeah, big time over here, baby. That's what oh. I'm paying all this money for at school. So <laughs> I loved all my picks when I made them, right, my three picks for this week. And then I was uh-huh. like, wow. They were all in the same division, which that then kind of scared me. And they were all in the NFC West. So starting off, I think the Rams easily cover a four-point spread against the Indianapolis Colts. So I'm taking that as my most confident pick. And then after that, I love the 49ers at minus three and a half playing against Philadelphia. I love the cards at minus four and a half against the Minnesota Vikings also this week. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I can get behind all those. You know, I mean, none of those really scare me. Uh, none of those are too, you know, out of the ordinary or not possible. I, I absolutely think that those are doable. Um, I'm the one that appeals to me most is the St. Panthers over at 44. Okay. Uh, I think I'm. A, I would hammer the over there. Uh, Big time offenses. You know, uh, McCaffrey could easily run and 
rush for one, him, run and receive for one himself. Uh, Robbie Anderson's an end zone guy. Um, but also Jameis Winston and Kamara on the other side of the ball. I think there's too much in this game as a whole to not score 44 points. Neither defense is good enough to me to keep 28 off the board from the other. Then you have a great, great chance of getting the 44 uh, or 45 to over. I like, I mean, the obvious is hammer the money line for Chiefs against Ravens, but I'm going to stay away from it because that's obvious, in my opinion, and that's a little scary. Uh, I like the, yeah, I like the I like the minus four and a half or the four for the Rams. I do. It, it's yeah. a very appealing, appealing thing. Uh, I also like the uh, the under in that game. Very good defenses. Uh, Forty seven and a half. Well, I like the under there, but I would stay spread and go the minus four and a half. And then I know that that this is kind of a going to feel like something, and it's not. It just kind of jumps out at me when I scroll by. Is the the Raiders Steelers money line at two two hundred? I would take Raiders plus two hundred there, just because it's not one of those things that's a given game. I feel like any given thing can go one way or the other. The game flips on ahead, and they can't turn it around, you know. But I also think that if the Steelers take off with Najee Harris, the Raiders can't catch up. So it's just kind of how the Raiders play and how the Steelers can stack up against Waller, and if. If they start giving too much attention, do the Raiders venture out to Henry Rhodes and Brian Edwards again? So I think that's kind of where I'm going to able to go. My three bets would be the uh, Raiders Steelers Raiders money line at 200. Um, the Rams. Or you got the Carolina New Orleans over 44 Rams minus four and Las Vegas money line. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm I, yeah, and I like those. I feel good about those. That's kind of what I would ride with for the week. All right. Well, that is going to be our NFL talk for today. A lot of good content there. This is kind of the format we're going to try and do every week, get these out now so we can like still talk about last week while also previewing the next week. But we also have more football this week. We've got college football, which we've got a great slate of college football coming up. I mean, yeah, we do. I mean, we do. We've got some good ranked matchups. So what are we looking at today, Drew? Or I guess the Saturday. Oh, oh man. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I got a big, I'm going to call it now a huge upset Tulane over Ole Miss. Uh, number 17 Ole Miss gets upset by Tulane. Uh, Tulane has played outstanding the first two weeks. Ole Miss hasn't played anybody. Um, they've played Ole Miss football, but they haven't played anybody yet. Um Tulane in the first two weeks of the year has actually played, you know, what looks like a legitimate conference football. Um, and yeah. I may have it wrong because I may be thinking Tulsa. No, uh, I have Tulane scored 69 points last week against Morgan State, which is a huge, huge thing. Tulane has the ability to score a lot of points. That's what's kind of undertone for Tulane is it's one of those games that they're, they're going to be able to keep close especially with that old Miss, you know, scary offense that they run just over the top. No no dull moment watching old Miss football. But in week one, September 4th, uh, Tulane and Oklahoma went at it. It was 35 to 40, Oklahoma took the win. But that's what is, is, is scary to me is the fact that that Tulane quarterback could just as easily go for 300 yards as Spencer Rattler. You know, so it's it's one of those things that you got to keep him in the pocket. You got to keep him 
contained. Because if he gets outside the pocket, he can plant his feet and throw the ball. Uh, Tyreek James is the number one guy in Tulane, and I love that. I think he's a very, very good deep ball threat. I think he's a very good threat for a team that doesn't get all the respect in the world. So that's a matchup I have my eye on is Tulane at number 17, Old Miss. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I think may save Old Miss is that it's in their stadium at home at Old Miss. So, you know, I wouldn't put too much stock into betting on that game, but that's a very good game to pay attention to. Uh, Michigan State at Miami at noon is also another big game that I'm looking at. Um, as we both know, Miami has the ability to be beat very easily if you can keep mistakes to a minimum. And that's Are you not trying a shot. to end this podcast that's, early? That's, that's, that's that not a shot. I'm here? just saying. I'm just saying. We both watched that game. We both know that that's a very, very big um, – the other thing, and um, I guess another. I'm honestly, I'm looking at Purdue Notre Dame also. I think yeah, that the Purdue could Notre be Dame. Game. I think Purdue takes that. Notre Dame hasn't played well yet for me to be like, oh yeah, no, that's a that's an easy win for Notre. They just haven't played well. They just have not played well, and in anything, at any part of the game, really, they're just not one of those teams right now that look consistent enough to continually win games. Virginia in North Carolina. Oh, I'll bring that up. <laughs> that's the game that I'm. I am. I am. Oh man, pound the floor, get excited. That's a game that could go very, very badly for North Carolina, very, very fast, mm-hmm. because Sam Howell has to play a very good football game against Virginia to consistently show that they can hold that game. Virginia has scored 42 points in week two, and they also threw up a – man, they threw up a good, solid – why everything got to be so separated? Why They just can't keep stuff together. When I click on it, it means I want it right there next to each other. 43. So they've thrown up a combined 85 points in the first two weeks of the season. And no, and North Carolina's defense has not played well by by any means. Um, you know, I think the thing about North Carolina is they came out with a lot of expectations, and it was too much for them. Mm-hmm. It was really too much. Um, I don't expect too much from North Carolina. It's like I expect them to fall out of the top twenty-five. I don't think they belong there anyway. I think there are better teams in the ACC this year. Uh, I don't think Sam Howell is the Heisman candidate this year. I think we need to move on from that talk. That just needs to kind of be over and done with. Uh, And then there's two more games I want to mention that I won't spend too much time on. I'll let you kind of throw yours. And then if I have something else, I think of it, I'll talk about it. But uh, Auburn and Penn State, great game. Very excited. Um, Auburn's got a lot to prove right now. Um, Getting in the top 25, Penn State's got a lot holding in the top 10. So they can make a push. They can make a statement. That's a huge thing for them. Um, two is Florida and Alabama. Alabama's got to find a way to make a statement in that game from the standpoint of just whoop them. Got to beat them by a lot to, to me, prove that they're that much better than Georgia this year. Now, we'll mm-hmm. see Georgia in the game against Carolina. We'll see. But that's a different topic for a different day. Um but I think those two games are are also ones that if you're going to bet, I would take 
I might take the easy way out there and go Penn State and Alabama from the bet, but I don't expect either of those upsets to be by 17 or more. Yeah, a couple games I'm looking at is like the first one, I guess, betting-wise, is Cincinnati's only a four-point favorite over Indiana, and I think that they absolutely run away with that game. Number eight-ranked Cincinnati against unranked Indiana. Um, I like that matchup a lot. think that'll be good. And then a game I'm interested to see, we just saw Colorado come off a 10-7 to loss against A&M, and they're playing Minnesota this weekend. So I think that'll be another good game. Uh, both teams kind of having something on the line there, Minnesota with their, you know, pretty good football reputation and Colorado trying to be like, Hey, we're not at the bottom of the pack in the big 10 here. Like we just kept in with A&M. And so they're going to want to come out firing against Minnesota too. And then also I'm excited to see not that Georgia tech's a great team, but it's an ACC school to see how Clemson bounces back after that week one loss that they had and see if Ugalele can put his ego aside (laughs) and see what he can do for, uh, Georgia Tech and then USC and Washington State just because uh, Todd Heldon got fired today because USC got clapped by Stanford. So just to see how that USC <laughs> team comes out and see how that goes. And besides that, the last game I'm really looking at is App State. Elon visiting App State because App State's going to win, but your very own Stephen Biddix will be calling that game for 90.5 WASU, the radio station up here in Boone, North Carolina for the game on Saturday, which will be a lot of fun. And all I know is we better win or they're not going to want me behind a mic this Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) I I worked to do a new segment. I just thought about it on my headset here while I had it on. We are going to break into what – my version of college game day could and should look like without Kirk Kerbstreet, which in <laughs> and of itself would be a better college game day to begin with if you took his mic off of him. Um, college game day, no offense, will be better when Kirk Kerbstreet's gone and and coach is gone. Lee Corso's about ready to just just drop it. Just get out of there. Let somebody else put a helmet on or a, a hat on and Kirk Herb Street needs to go not with so him. fast yeah good god <laughs> also also honorary ice bath of the week before we get into the segment oh man Ashton Kutcher good oh, lord gosh. please yeah. never have him back on college game day boom all I'll say um the new segment is college go- college game day 2.0 it's kind of what we'll run with for now until we think of a better segment um I want to run through five of the biggest games that we think as a unit that we can come up with. Five of the biggest games. I already have an Excel sheet up. I went for it. I pulled it up. Um, Whoa, it's no. there. Whoa, it's no. there. I know. I went out of my way to do this. Now, I don't know how well it's going to look at the end because, you know, Excel scares me. Um, and uh, I just need the easy calculation. It's got it so I can work it. But we'll see. Um, five of the biggest games in college football that we think of. Uh, I have a win-loss column, and then what we think. So kind of what I want to get at now is just what the biggest games that we think are. All right. So I guess I'll start that off and bring up my first game, and I'm bringing up the University of Cincinnati playing against the University of Indiana. Number eight, Cincinnati against previously ranked Big Ten school, Indiana, Right now, like I mentioned earlier, they have the spread at minus four. Money line is at minus 190 for Cincy, plus 160 for Indiana. And predictors are giving this a 55 to 45% in favor of Cincinnati. 
and I'm going to follow that, and I will be picking Cincinnati for this game. Very nice, very nice. That's always something you like to hear uh, as a as a fan of all, every other pro in that area, um, pro team in that area, is the fact that you can always go with the college team. Um, the first one that I'll bring up is one that's kind of interesting to me because Tulsa has played well, and Ohio State has not. Um, Tulsa versus Ohio State. Uh, I don't necessarily expect an upset, but I also expect a very good, exciting, close matchup for at least a little bit of the game. Um, Ohio State's looking for a bounce back. Tulsa's looking for another exciting week and possibly, possibly upset a team that they have honestly no business upsetting. Um, but it's just kind of how Ohio State has played lately and not one of those schools that is showing us that they should be in the top 10. It's not a power power team right now. And Tulsa almost beat uh, Oklahoma State last week, only lost by five. So there's potential there for an interesting, interesting game. Um, yeah. But I'm excited to watch that one. I'm excited to see who the actual college game day picks, except for Kirk Herbstreet. Um, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, the next game I'm bringing up, which you also talked about, is the Virginia-North Carolina game. I think there's a lot of upset potential here, especially considering Sam Howell's throwing four touchdowns, three picks this year. And believe it or not, Drew, Sam Howell leads UNC in rushing yards as well, which that's, is that doesn't, pretty yeah, pitiful considering he's yeah. not like a run-first quarterback. Like, it's not like he's a Lamar Jackson-esque quarterback where he could be running all over the place. Or even for a big throwback here like DeAndre Francois, how he could run oh. around in Florida State. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I think there's a lot of upset potential here, but I think UNC squeaks it out. Uh, looking at the spread, it's nine right now. I don't even know if I want to give advice here, so I'm not. But I think this game is going to be close, <laughs> and I think UNC pulls it out in the fourth quarter. Okay, I, uh, I, yeah, I can get on board with that. That's not not a huge, not a huge disappointment. And you said you do have say that one more time. The the, the winning. I just want to hear you say it again. UNC. Oh man, I didn't yeah. think you could do it. I couldn't have said that they were going to win. <laughs> I could. I don't believe. Well, that's what win. separates champions. So okay, what you're not <laughs> going to do is say that. Okay, because I couldn't have said it. It's it's a moral thing. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, game two for me uh, is going to be UCF and Louisville. Uh, I'm actually really excited for that game. Um, it is actually on Friday night at 7:30. Um, the reason I'm excited for that is, you know, matchup of kind of the expectation of how they can match up against other teams this year on how well the sides of the ball can compete. Normally, you don't have teams that have both sides of the ball at a top tier level. You either get one or the other, and that's kind of a coach's decision to pick. Very rarely, Alabama. Georgia Clemson, do you get teams that are from top to bottom set? Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see which one of these teams looks the most complete because so far neither one have looked complete. Now, I think UCF takes it. Uh, I think they take it by, I'm going to say two scores. Mm-hmm. That's the, 
that's the way I'm going to go with it is two scores. Uh, so take that how you will. But I think UCF takes this game by two scores and they take it late. Okay. And I'm actually throwing you a curveball and switching up my last game here because Alabama oh, I gotta is go back too easy on the pick. Yeah. So I'm actually going to go with this Minnesota-Colorado game I was talking about earlier. Uh, it should be a really good matchup. I think Colorado kind of comes back down to earth a little bit. I think Minnesota does get the win. And what's very interesting as well is Minnesota's quarterback, 191 passing yards in two games, running back, 145 passing yards. And their leading receiver has 37 receiving yards, which is just not what I want to see in a team. So even though Colorado is the favorites, I'm going to rock with Minnesota for this game. Yeah, okay. I mean, obviously it pains me because it's it's one of those ones where it's hard to pick not South Carolina. But <laughs> the South Carolina-Georgia game um, is going to be one of those where I think it's going to be a half-decent game. I truly do. Uh, especially because we don't know what's going on currently with um, JT Daniels. Uh, Stetson Bennett may have to play again. Um, and I don't think that's what Georgia fans want to hear. I don't think that's what they want to see. I don't think that's, you know, the way that they want to have this game go is starting off with Stetson Bennett in their backfield. But Stetson Bennett has the ability to get it done. Stetson Bennett has the ability to throw the football and get out of pocket a little bit. But the defense that Takana showed the first two weeks has been fairly good defense. It's kept us in games. It's saved us from mistakes that we made on offense. So I still got to go Georgia in this game, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to be a blowout victory for them. I don't think it's going to be one of those things where it's like, oh my gosh, Georgia's just going to run away with it. I don't see a runaway game for Georgia happening because they we always play them a little tough. There's always one upset victory that's a team like South Carolina's do every year, and normally for us, it's Georgia. So we'll see how well we can play, and maybe South Carolina finally gets Luke Doty back. Maybe we finally see how that goes. It'll be interesting to see how well a team rallying around a head coach for the first time in five years goes into Georgia, where he has coached for the first time. So it'll be exciting to see. Yeah, it definitely will be exciting to see. For sure. Definitely excited for this college slate this weekend. So is that all you've got for today? I think I'm good. All right. So that is episode number 30 of the pickup here on September 14th. And you guys will be hearing this right around 8.30 a.m. is the scheduled release date on Wednesday, Tuesday, September 15th. And we can't wait for football this weekend. Football's back. It's amazing. And sit down on the couch and enjoy yourself and don't feel bad about it. And for Drew Hartman, I'm Stephen Biddix. We will see you guys next week. 